listening to sermon audio from First Baptist Church of Van Holstein. For more information about First Baptist Church and our services, please visit www.fbcva.com. Have a copy of God's Word there with you. Uh, if not, it'll be up on the screen this morning. Um, if you do not have a copy of God's Word, we would love to give you one. And so if you would uh, just see me after the service, I would be delighted to give you your own copy of God's Word. In fact, I'll give you a pretty nice study Bible. We were able to get some recently at a really good price, and so would be delighted to give you one of those. Uh, this morning, our message, really this series, this short series uh, through the month of January, is going to be a little bit different Uh, in the sense that it will uh, largely be a a family conversation in some respects. Uh, That is not to say that if you are our guest today, maybe your first time to worship with us, that uh, this is not for you. Hopefully you'll find this uh, beneficial, especially if you maybe are looking for a church home. This will give you an opportunity to get to know us uh, just a bit. Uh, We have a number of newer people in our church who maybe haven't experienced uh, some of this information, at least uh, the level that we're going to take a look at it here over the next two or three weeks. And so uh, with that said, I want us to, to first um, celebrate together. One of the things that families do is they celebrate. They celebrate birthdays. They celebrate anniversaries. They celebrate uh, big milestones in uh, family members' lives. Uh, they celebrate the holidays together. We have some things to celebrate as we look back over 2021. And I want to highlight just a few of those things for you. Uh, One of the things that we celebrate as we look back at 2021 was 12 baptisms. Uh, And so that is 12 individuals who gave public testimony to their faith in Christ. (laughs) Praise the Lord for that. Uh, Here's an interesting thing uh, that I didn't realize. I kind of looked back, and over the last 10 years, uh, First Baptist Church of Van Alstine has averaged about one baptism a month. And so uh, that's kind of where we were in 2021. And I know... Uh, even in the last couple of years, there have been a lot of strange things. It made it a little bit difficult during certain seasons for us to, to do baptism and those kind of things. But we celebrate uh, those 12 baptisms. We also celebrate uh, 20 new families who joined our First Baptist family. And so praise the Lord for that. In fact, if you have united with the First Baptist family, let's say this, in the last two years, in the last two years, would you be so kind as to stand up for just a minute, let us uh, see who you are uh, this morning? Yeah, go ahead, really, stand up. Thank you. Um, We are delighted that you are here, and that translates into about 50 different people uh, with kids and those kinds of things. Technically, some of those younger ones are not yet really members, but at the same time, uh, that is something to celebrate, and uh, we're excited, as I said earlier, to see new faces virtually every week. We are in a growing community, and if you are not aware of that, I'm not sure where you have been, um, maybe in a bunker somewhere, uh, something, but we're seeing new faces all the time, and and uh, we're seeing that same thing here at First Baptist Church, so we are excited for that. Uh, there's some other things we need to celebrate. Um, one of the things that uh, we question, we pastors especially, uh, back in the spring of 2020 when things kind of shut down there, at least for a brief time, was how will the church survive this? I was getting emails almost every week from different organizations, denominational leaders, all these things. Can we survive COVID? Can we, you know, can we survive a global pandemic? What is it going to look like financially? I was seemed like getting emails every other week about uh, becoming bivocational, and I was going... 
what, what am I going to do? I, I, I don't have a whole lot of skills. I've been doing this my whole life. I guess I could, you know, I could be a greeter at Walmart and preach here on Sundays. I, I do whatever I have to do. Um, but God has been very gracious. And uh, while there are certainly some churches, even in our own association of 63 churches in the Texoma area that have suffered significantly during this period, even a couple have, uh, have essentially had to close. Uh, in fact, I will I tell you about one that we are participating with now in kind of a replanting, a revitalization effort. Uh, there was a church up in Denison that was kind of a part of the Cottonwood Creek family down in Allen. Some of you uh, have connections uh, back that direction. Uh, they decided to close that campus essentially. And so uh, one of our sister churches, Parkside up in Denison, uh, has agreed to kind of take that on, but to, to take it on with our association. And so we are participating in that, in uh, the revitalization of that campus. It'll have a new name. Uh, you can p- pray for uh, the, the new pastor there, Ed Fleming, I think is at least going to serve as an interim uh, while things are kind of relaunching. And so that kind of thing is happening uh, really all over the nation. And some of the churches that have not survived the last couple of years uh, are churches that were already in a steep downward trend. Uh, and so it was like COVID and all the things associated with that, the church being disconnected, fragmented, has just led it to uh, that place of actually having to close their doors. I haven't seen the latest numbers, but a lot of churches have closed over the last couple of years. Uh, but at the same time, by the grace of God, a lot of churches have been planted over the last couple of years. And so we, we thank God for that. And so when you give uh, to the unified budget of First Baptist Church of Van Alstine, you uh, are essentially helping with those kinds of things. Revitalization, replanting, church planting are a big part of, of why we do what we do and why we partner with like-minded churches all over the world, really. But I want us to celebrate some things as we look at our financial picture in the previous year. Now, we can't always uh, look at it quite like this, but I think it's important for us to celebrate. And so our 2021 operating budget was $698,114.16. I always look at that and I go, where did we come up with the 16 cents? I, if th- that maybe buy some more goldfish down in the preschool department or so, I don't know. Uh, actually, that probably comes from... Uh, uh, probably our benefits, <laughs> the benefit package for our staff and some of those things. But at any rate, that was our budget, our operating budget for 2021. Our 2021 undesignated giving. And so anytime you give an offering, whether you do it online, you drop it in the offering box on the way out, uh, however you may do that, if it's an undesignated gift, it's just your regular tithe, you may call it, or offering or whatever, if it's not designated to something else, then that is what we use to uh, fund the operating budget, the annual budget of First Baptist Church Van Alstine. And that doesn't just fund, yeah, things outside of these four walls, or just within these four walls, but things outside of these four walls. So some of that even goes to missions. But if you look at that figure, you'll see that the undesignated giving was $779,084.20. So a difference there of almost $80,000. Yeah, praise the Lord. Uh, That's worth celebrating. Uh, It's not always the case. You ask any, any of these guys who've been pastors uh, that, that's not always the case, and it depends on how you do your budgeting and those kind of things. Uh, but we are grateful because what that tells us is that a lot of you uh, have been faithful and consistent in your giving. Uh, and I want to encourage you to continue in that. But that doesn't mean that we have a surplus of money piled up here and we just don't know what to do with it, okay? Uh, what, what God did in that is he enabled us to do some things that we had not budgeted for and also took care of some things that we didn't see coming. 
Okay, one of those is rising health care costs, and we try to provide benefits for our, our staff and some of those things, and the, like everywhere else, those, those expenses, those costs are going up, and so those ended up being somewhere in the neighborhood of $20,000 more than we anticipated when we set the budget last year. Uh, it also helped us buy these chairs that you're sitting in right now, and so just a number of different things that we had not initially budgeted for, we were able to do. We upgraded some technology and, and some things like that, so thank you. Uh, for your faithfulness in giving. I also want you to see this figure. In 2021, our designated giving was $1,459,708.07. I suppose that is probably a record uh, for First Baptist Church Van Alstine. Uh, Now, the vast majority of that uh, has been given to the Joshua Project. We are in a, in a building program, and uh, most of you are aware of that. And so uh, the vast majority of that. However, uh, well over $50,000 of that was designated toward missions through our missions offerings, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, uh, the Reach Texas offering, uh, through those offerings and some other things as well. And so that's not just Joshua Project giving, but the vast majority of it is. And so our total giving for 2021, $2 million. $238,792.27. If you'd have told a lot of pastors that that's what the financial picture would look like in the midst of COVID and all those things, many of us would have said, ah, it's going to be a God thing. What's a God thing? Okay, it just is. Uh, and so thank you for your giving. Thank you for that. And those things are all, uh, all noteworthy, and certainly we should celebrate that. And I just hope that that encourages you hope that challenges you. And I I realize that some of you have been impacted financially in this season uh, in ways uh, that are super significant, in ways that other people maybe have not. Uh, But uh, thank you for your partnership in the ministry. God uh, does the work that he does here through the faithful giving of his people. Uh, And he prompts people and leads people and enables people to give uh, some more than others. And it's not about, we often say it this way, it's not about equal gifts, it's about equal sacrifice. Uh, And that looks very different for each and every one of us. But we do want to celebrate those things. Now, this morning, we're going to to launch a new series called Revision. That's kind of a play on the word there. Normally, when you think of the word revision, you think of revising something. We're not revising our core values or our mission statement or or anything like that. We are uh, maybe refocusing uh, is really probably a better way to put it. Uh, for us. Uh, this is uh, something that we do on a regular basis. The, the, the prefix re uh, is, is easily one of the most used prefixes in the English language. Uh, you stop and think about it. it. It communicates doing something again, a do-over, repetition, a backward recall, Uh, We renew wedding vows. We redesign projects. We can regain a lead. We can rekindle enthusiasm. We can rebuild a portfolio or reuse or recycle resources. (laughs) And so it's a a prefix that we use uh, often. In, In this short series of messages called Revision, we're going to revisit our mission, our vision, our, our core values. And this is something that we do every couple of years as a church family in an effort to, to refocus, even reevaluate what is most important to us as a church family. We all know that consistency, uh, persistence are very important traits in fulfilling our God-given purpose. Uh, a mission statement, a vision statement, a set of core values, they all serve as guardrails to keep us on the right track. 
Uh, and we all know that, that you're not going to find a particular text that says, here is your mission statement. Here is your vision statement. Uh, these statements uh, are clarifying for us, is what we want them to be. We want to uh, take biblical principles, biblical truth, and we want to, to, to articulate those in a way that we can kind of wrap our brains around it and they can uh, become solidifying for us as a church family. And so when you think about it, we all live by a set of core values. Whether you've actually taken the time to, to list those core values for yourself or for your family, and I know some of you do that. I think that's a, a good thing to do. Uh, in fact, if I had to identify some of my core values, uh, things like integrity would come to mind. Uh, accountability, diligence, perseverance, discipline. I mean, uh, there can be a, a rather long list of core values. So what, what are core values? Core values are fundamental beliefs of a person or an organization. Those, those values dictate behavior, can help us understand the, what we would call the non-negotiable principles that guide us. Core values help organizations, and in the case of the church, organisms. We believe that the church is not just an organization. It is an organism made up of, of people like you and me. Uh, and so it helps us to determine if we're on the right path, fulfilling uh, the goals that we believe God has set for us by creating kind of this unwavering guide. And so we continue to revisit these on a fairly regular basis. We do this type of series typically every two to four years as a way of refreshing, revisiting those things that matter most. A couple of years ago, uh, just before uh, the world shut down in the spring of 2020, uh, we did a similar series where we kind of unpacked each of the core values and our pastoral team uh, addressed uh, some of those individually. Four years ago, uh, we did a series called Hold Firm. Uh, and in that series, we looked primarily at our doctrinal beliefs, what it is that we believe, why it matters. And we unpacked in that series of messages what we know as the uh, Baptist faith and message. Now, this is not going to be a doctrinal series per se. However, a church's core values are born out of her doctrinal beliefs. And so this is critically important to us as a church family. Uh, you see churches today involving themselves in a lot of different things. Uh, some of them are good things. Uh, but we've always got to be looking and analyzing and asking ourselves, are, are we really doing the best things, the most important things? How are we stewarding what God has entrusted to us, whether that's the financial resources that he has entrusted to us, our facilities? And so our core values are guiding a lot of decisions that are currently being made, even as it relates to our new facility. Uh, one of the things that was determined early in that process, even years ago, was that we did not want to, uh, to build a building that would be used one day a week and sit empty the rest of the week. So for that reason, we are partnering with Lionheart, for example, uh, we want to be wise stewards of the square footage that God entrusts to us. And if you study the history of the church, particularly here in North America, we have been very poor stewards of the square footage God entrusts to us. Uh, I could go back and I could think about my own grandmother's church in Duncanville. I mean, large complex, thousands of square feet. And it would largely sit empty, quiet. I, I know because I played hide and seek uh, in those dark rooms and dark corridors and everything during the week while my grandmother was preparing the midweek meal for her church family. Okay. So th these core values are that important to us. So we're going to revisit a text today that has been critically important to us in this season. 
uh, as we've launched the Joshua Project, we've gone to Ephesians chapter 3, mainly verses 20 and 21. Today we're going to back up a little bit and look at verses 14 through 21, the last few verses of Ephesians chapter 3. I want to remind you by way of context that the book of Ephesians is an epistle, much like uh, most of the New Testament. This is a letter written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by the Apostle Paul to a church, a local church, much like ours, to the church at Ephesus. That's why it's called Ephesians. And this letter can be divided pretty neatly into two sections. In the first three chapters, really, Paul gives attention to who we are in Christ. And he talks about our Christian identity. This is who you are. Uh, and that's where we, we find familiar texts, like if you back up into chapter 2, uh, you find uh, the text that many of you have committed to memory, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. And so he's talking about, he's really, it's really the gospel. It's a gospel-saturated letter, and he's reminding the Ephesians, the Ephesian believers, of who they are in Christ. And he even talks about, this is who you once were, this is how you live, this is, these were the things that, that you valued most, but, but now this. Uh, and you'll notice that he uses a similar phrase, really, throughout this letter in different ways. He says, for this reason. And that's how he begins this section. If you look at the 14th verse of Ephesians chapter 3, he says, for this reason... I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then we've used verses 20 and 21. It's kind of the theme verses for our Joshua Project. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, I love those words when they're used together, far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen so these are truths that we must know understand if we're going to to understand our identity as followers of Jesus Christ. And then in the final 3 chapters, Paul primarily addresses how we should practically live out our identity in Christ. He's essentially saying it this way, based on your identity in Jesus Christ, this is how it should impact your daily life. Uh, I I've actually appealed to this text when I've done premarital counseling through the years with young couples. And I'll explain to them, I'll say, you know, you're making all these preparations right now and you're working out all the details for your wedding day and all of that. And, and that's great. At the end of the day, unless something really crazy happens and we have a runaway bride or something like that, at the end of the day, legally, you're going to be husband and wife. But guess what? You got to get up the next morning and live like your husband and wife. Okay, it's not enough to just walk around with a marriage license or a ring on your finger. Okay? No, you've got to live it out every day. And when you don't live according to the promises that you make to one another there on your wedding day, usually you've got trouble, right? 
So you've got to live it out. That's kind of what the Apostle Paul is saying here to these Ephesian believers. He's saying, in light of who you are in Christ Jesus, this is how it should impact your daily lives. And so nestled really between these two sections is a prayer. And that's our text today here in Ephesians chapter 3. It's Paul's second intercessory prayer for these Ephesian believers. And so I want us to unpack this for a moment. This is largely a prayer for power, a prayer for power. But I want you to notice some characteristics of this. Uh, Number one, and these won't be up on the screen, so I hope that that you'll follow along. There are some notes in, in the app there if you're following along in the app. Paul prays with humility. Paul prays with humility. Humble gratitude. Humble gratitude. Humble desperation. Relying fully upon God and his power. Humble confidence. Now, we're living in an age where humility is in short supply. Some of you in the last year have listened to a, uh, what was, became one of the most popular podcasts ever produced through Christianity Today, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. It kind of chronicled the rise and the fall of a church in the Pacific Northwest. It was led by a guy named Mark Driscoll. And, and man, if, if you listen to that, there were times that you just were just like, what in the world? What, what toxic attitudes and leadership and a lot of different things. And, and most of our pastoral team listened to that, and we would often discuss what we were hearing. And, and, and we found it largely to be a cautionary tale to us. Because none of us are above that. I, I'm not above a toxic leadership and, and arrogance and pride and all those things. In fact, I'm prone to that. I'm prone to that. And so we constantly have to go back and go, without God's help and without God's power, I I can't do this. I can't do this. I wish I could tell you that over the last 30-some years of pastoral ministry, I've never tried to do this in my own strength. But I can't tell you that, honestly. I have tried to do this in my own strength far too many times. And it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And so Paul here, he, he comes to the Lord in, in a spirit of humility, prays with humility. Then I want you to notice that he prays for the fullness of God's power and love, strengthened by the Spirit's power. Think of this. It's actually resurrection power. It's the same power, the same Holy Spirit power that brought Jesus back to life after his crucifixion and death. He's saying it's that same power that is at work within you. And so he prays that they would have the the, the understanding to grasp Christ's love. You're secure in God's love. He talks about the limitless dimensions of God's love. This love surpasses knowledge. That's why those of us who who are charged primarily with preaching and teaching, we, we can try over a lifetime to explain to people, to articulate to people, to put into words uh, the, the, the depth and the height and the breadth of the love of God and the grace of God, but our words always fall short. It, we, we, can't fully, we can't fully explain it in human words because we're talking about something that is not human. Now, I can tell you all day long that I love my sweet wife, Christy, with a limitless love. But I'm not sure that I can truthfully say that. I would like to think that. But my love for her, as much as it's grown over the years, and as much as I, it's an imperfect love. It's not so with God's love for us. 
And so Paul is, is talking about this. Know this love that you may mature. That you may mature. You see, as a church, our goal is not to just gather more people. There's ways to gather more people. Our task, our job, one of our primary purposes is to see people mature in Christ. So really, using some of the words that the Apostle Paul uses here in his letter to the Ephesians, we want to see people rooted and grounded in their faith, growing in maturity. That's our purpose. Then I want you to notice that Paul prays with great expectations. Great expectations. Do you pray with great expectations? I'm not talking about being presumptuous. I'm talking about praying with expectation. What? He says, to do above, to do above and beyond, to do above and beyond all that we ask, to do above and beyond all that we ask or think. Think about that for a moment. How? According to the power that works in us. And then why? It's an important question to ask, don't you think? Why? To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. I read a story of a fairly prominent church here in the South uh, that gone through a difficult time. Uh, it seems like we see these stories, read these stories uh, almost weekly nowadays. There was a moral failure uh, among its most prominent leader, uh, this church's most prominent leader, and uh, someone uh, was recorded as saying, our church centered around that person, that person's charisma, that, that, that person's abilities. Uh, and, and in some of the, 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 the writing in this article and you're reading, you're just thinking, that, that, that's a dangerous, dangerous place for a church to be. Here's the simple truth, y'all. First Baptist Church of Ann Alstein has been proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in this community long before Mike Lovely ever moved into Van Alstein, Texas. And by the grace of God, and should the Lord tarry, it will continue to do the same long after Mike Lovely's gone. Okay, God's work, God's, God's doesn't depend on me. Okay, now we believe our God is omnipotent. And so I think as we, as we look at the church and we look at what God is doing in the church, know that this is his church. I have the joy and the privilege of serving as an under-shepherd, and I serve under the, the great shepherd. This is his church. So Paul's prayer here in verses 14 through 21 seems to tie together these two sections of his letter. On one hand, this is what you need to know about the amazing grace and love of God for you. This is who you are in Christ. You didn't save yourself. You can't save yourself. You are completely and totally dependent upon the grace of God at work in your life. And in light of that, this is how you should live and ultimately give glory to God in your individual lives and corporately in the church. Corporately in the church. So let's real quickly, in these final few moments that we have together, I want us to unpack what we would call our mission statement, our vision statement, and, and our core values. Now, some of you, maybe you've, you've not seen these things. Some of you have, but you only uh, saw it kind of in passing as you went through our membership process. And so I want us to revisit these things. I think it's important to do so. The, the wording of these statements was chosen with a great deal of intentionality. Okay, and again, these are not extrapolated directly from Scripture, 
but we certainly feel that they are biblically based, okay? And so our mission statement is this, to lead people on a life-transforming journey to become fully devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. Sure, we could say, as a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, that our, our mission is the gospel, to proclaim the good news. Absolutely, that, that is true. We feel like this adds some clarity to that. And I even said in the early service this morning, I think we could even add the word to love there, to love and lead people on a life-transforming journey to become fully devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. So the reason we chose that language is because we believe that ministry is about people. It's about people. While programs are important and budgets are important and buildings are important, those things are all tools that we use for the purpose of ultimately reaching people with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So as important as all those other things may be, I don't pastor budgets, and I don't pastor buildings, and I don't pastor programs. I have the responsibility of pastoring people. Pastoring people. So that's why that language is used, to lead people on a life-transforming journey. Okay, we want to be a transformational church meaning that we are all on this journey to becoming fully devoted disciples of Jesus Christ, and not one of us has arrived. Not one of us. Even the most mature of us, spiritually mature of us, we still haven't yet arrived. Nobody here's got it all figured out. Nobody is perfectly living out uh, the the demands of Scripture and and perfectly walking in Christ's likeness. We are all works in progress. So we are all on this life-transforming journey. Now, you are never more saved than the moment you turn from your sin to faith in Jesus Christ. We call that justification. But that begins a process that we call sanctification, whereby we are being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Looking forward someday to our glorification. To our glorification. When our faith becomes sight. When we are in the very presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right now, we're in that in-between, right? The already, but the not yet. So we're growing in Christ-likeness. That life-transforming journey, ultimately to become fully devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. What is a fully devoted disciple of Jesus Christ? Well, a fully devoted disciple is a disciple maker. Okay, so you're, you're reproducing. You're reproducing. Paul wrote this to Timothy in 2 Timothy. He says there, he says, hey, the things that you have learned from me, the same commit to, to faithful men who shall then be able to teach others also. That is Christianity's bread and butter. We are to be reproducing, making disciples who make disciples. That's our mission statement. Our vision statement is a little bit different. I want you to notice the language that's used there. It's one of those kind of things where this is what we envision. This is what we're striving toward. This is what we want to notice the word to become. To become a diverse family of transformed and surrendered people who passionately love God and others. And you see similar language in our discipleship outcomes. Our discipleship outcomes are love God supremely, love neighbor, and live connected, right? You see similar language here. Transformed, surrendered people who passionately love God and others. We endeavor to be a body that is overcome by the reality that this life is not about us. You ever come across any people who think that it's all about them. 
I see them in the mirror too often. If I'm completely honest. Sometimes we just fall into that. It's really all about me. And when I don't get my way, then I throw a little temper tantrum. I throw a little emotional fit or whatever. And, and, and it's crazy, but that sometimes happens even within the church. And so we strive. Our vision is to be a body of believers who are overcome by the reality that this life is not about us, but ultimately all about the glory of God. So we are together to be busy making much of Jesus, is how we sometimes say it. We desire to be transfixed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and compelled by his heart for our world. When was the last time you had a gospel conversation? I'm talking about with someone who's not a professing Christian. Now that thought, I know, scares some of y'all to death. I get that. But, but are you intentional about having gospel conversations. I'm not talking about a slick presentation like some sort of salesman. I'm talking about when was the last time you honestly launched a gospel conversation with someone where you could, if if nothing else, just tell them what God has done in your life. Here's my story, and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) I mean, it's like the song we sing. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) When was the last time you had that kind of a conversation with someone? Whether it's at the coffee shop, it's, or at the water cooler at work, it's your neighbor across the street. Are we having those kinds of conversations? That's our vision. Is that we would all have a gospel consciousness. And while we can talk about a lot of other things... I, I would love to talk to you about how the Cowboys beat the Eagles yesterday evening, right? I mean, I, I had to get that in there. I, I can talk about that. Sure, I can talk about the Rangers and how, man, optimistic about the coming season. We got some talent, middle infield. I can talk about all that stuff. That's great. But I want to be known most for the fact that I am beating the gospel drum, talking about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because I'm transfixed by the gospel. It's changing my life. It's transforming me into who God wants me to be. So I'm compelled by his heart for our world. So with all that, here are our core values, and we'll move through these pretty quickly. God-glorifying lives. We value the passionate pursuit of knowing God and walking with him. The passionate pursuit of knowing God and walking with him. That doesn't happen accidentally. It's not something you drift into. It doesn't happen by osmosis because you attend a worship service once in a while when it's convenient. Now, it happens intentionally as we plug into opportunities to get to know the Lord better through his word and walking with him. Number two, we value biblically-based teaching. Biblically-based teaching, preaching, okay? I know sometimes those two words get a little confused. I was preaching in a church in Cornish Mountain, Georgia one time. Country church, wonderful people, salt of the earth, just, they sang like no other church I've ever been in. This is when we were traveling full time. This guy came up to me after one of the services. I was going to be there like most of the week in kind of a revival type thing. And he goes, you need to yell more. I was like, I need to yell more. Uh, In fact, I just said, that's not me. Those of you who know me, that's not, that's not me. That's not my delivery style. It's not, I'm not saying it's wrong for a pastor to become more animated than maybe I do. And man, I've, you know, I've seen pastors, buttons are popping, veins, you know, it's just all of that. And so that's just not my 
But so I asked him, I said, what would you have me yell? He goes, I don't know. You just need to yell more. <laughs> like, it's not about that. There, there's so many different avenues for the, the proclamation of the word of God. The proclamation, the preaching, the teaching of the word of God. In all those settings, whether it's in a small group, whether it's in a corporate worship service like this, we value the authority and the sufficiency of scripture in every area of our lives. That's why we say we are a church that is biblically based. Biblically based. Number three, we value gospel-driven discipleship. It goes back to those statements that we just looked at. Making disciples who are making disciples. We value sharing the gospel and making disciples who make disciples. Number four, we value kingdom-focused perspective. In other words, we value living our lives focused upon what will matter most for eternity. There are a lot of things that we can give ourselves to, and many of them good things. Uh, things that, that demand some of our attention and maybe some of our resources even and, and those types of things. But in everything that we do, everything, we should ask ourselves, what is the eternal significance of this when it's all said and done? Is this something that's going to last for eternity? We value a kingdom-focused perspective. We value, number five, church-based ministry. Again, a lot of great ministries out there. I've supported some of those ministries through the years. Uh, have received a great deal of benefit from some of those ministries. Parachurch organizations, they come alongside the church. But we believe that God's plan A, God's primary means for the evangelization of the world, the proclamation of the gospel, is the local church. The local church. So we value the essential role of the church in the sanctification of the believer and the salvation of the nations. So we partner with missionaries who have local church ministries. They're leading people to Christ and pointing them into a local church, wherever that may be. Uh, Very, very important to us, uh, the ministry of the church. That's especially important in our current cultural context. Uh, A lot of people are loosely connected with churches right now. Through the last couple of years, I hear people all the time, oh, I, I watch, you know, Pastor So-and-So's, you know, broadcast. And I did, and I, I benefit, again, I, I've received a great deal of benefit edification from a lot of other people. I listen to preaching almost every week, podcasts and those kinds of things. But we have no desire to create some sort of an online church where we have no actual connection. That's not what we're striving to do. We don't want to just be producers of content that people consume outside of relationship. That's why this is one of our core values. We value church-based ministry. And number six, with that, we value Christ-centered community. We value that God uniquely uses personal relationships lived out in community to sanctify and sharpen believers. What we're fundamentally saying is we need each other. We need each other. I need you. I need you to pray for me. I need you to hold me accountable. I need you to sharpen and challenge me in my walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And hopefully you can say the same thing. I'll be the first to tell you that First Baptist Church Van Alstine is not for everyone. They're the great churches, Bible-preaching, Bible-believing churches, faithful to the, the same things that we would value even in all those things. But I do believe that God intends for every committed follower of Jesus Christ to have a church home, a church family, where they serve alongside other believers, where they are doing life together. 
especially in our area, it's critically important. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people in this community, and I'll say, hey, do you have a church home that you attend regularly? And it's like, well, we really don't want to attend a church locally because too many people know us. You just kind of want to just like drop in somewhere anonymously, and then and it's easy to do in this area. They're, they're mega churches, many of them within you know a thirty mile radius, for example, where it would be very easy to do that. We're not suggesting that we will always be a church where everybody knows everybody. In fact, we're probably already beyond that point. That's why small group. That's why community. All those things is critically important. So you can know others and be known by others, and you can do life together. It's one of our core values. And so you're going to hear us beat that drum pretty regularly. Are you living life in community? Are you part of a community group? Are you part of the discipleship process? Are you doing life alongside other believers where you can be challenged and encouraged? All those things, core values for who we are as a church family. So with that, I want to ask you to just simply bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. Again, this morning's message is a bit different in the sense that we've kind of laid out some things specific to us as a church family. I recognize this is brand new information for some of you and has maybe given you a glimpse into who we are as a church. For others of you, maybe you could, you could, have, you could have preached this message. I think this is a good time right here, nine or ten days into a new year. To just reassess where you are. There's some people who are so new to our community that they are actively seeking the Lord's leadership as to where they should where they should put down their roots. We'll prayerfully come alongside you and pray with you about that. There are others of you, maybe you would consider yourself a seeker this morning. Maybe you're intrigued by the claims of Christ. You're intrigued by the Bible. But you can't truthfully say this morning that you've ever turned from your sin to faith in Jesus Christ. We would love to come alongside you in that journey. Help you come to understand the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. There are others who, you may have been members of First Baptist Church of Anhalstein for a long time. But you can't say that you're actively living out of those core values. You're not really living out that mission statement that is ours. Wherever you may be, your walk with the Lord today, your journey Maybe you've just come through an especially difficult season and you're picking up the pieces. We'd love to to help you with that. Come alongside you and just love you. Lead you to the one who can really put those pieces back together and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for what you have called us together to do. Lord, I pray that you would forgive us when we drift into complacency. We become so inward focused many times that we fail to see the world around us. We lose sight of the mission 
to which you've called us, our vision needs to be refocused. So Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here today that has never trusted you as Savior, and Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit and by your word, they be drawn to you today. Help us, Lord, to leave here with a firm, renewed determination to do this life together for your glory and your glory alone. We thank you and praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Van Alstine. For more information about our church, visit www.fbcva.com.